UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty germs, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Loki, Dogman, howling in the street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. It's streaming art's tricky, you know, like it's like, so here we go. Hey guys, hey guys, uh, welcome back to another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have a really fascinating show for you guys tonight. Um, uh, I have with me Mark Gober. This is the second time he's been on my show. Um, I think the first time Mark was on my show, we talked about near-death experiences. Um, but tonight, like he's written a series of books. We're going to get into it. Mark is the author of An End to Upside Down Thinking, which he wrote in 2018, which won an IPPY award for the best science book of the year. He's also the author of An End to Upside Down Living, which he wrote in 2020, An End to Upside Down Liberty, which he wrote in 2021. Then my favorite one that he wrote was An End to Upside Down Contact, which he wrote in 2022. And finally, the book that relates to that that we're going to be talking about tonight, which is An End to the Upside Down Reset, which deals primarily with the Great Reset and the components behind it or, you know, the people that are, that are behind it. Um, he is the host of the podcast, Where Is My Mind? Additionally, he serves on the Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell's Institute of Noetic Sciences and the School of Wholeness and Enlightenment. And, I want to, and his website is www.markgober.com. And I want to give him a big warm welcome to the show. Mark, thank you for coming back on. How are you? Rob, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. So uh, what I'm going to ask you before we get into the great reset stuff, like you, you're you're still doing that with uh, Edgar Mitchell, the, the Department of Noetic Sciences. Is that because you were did, did you have a near death experience? Is that what we what we got into, or I can't remember like what we covered on the first show? Like, is it, but you or you just had a big interest in it? Uh, yeah, I developed an interest. I was working in Silicon Valley. I, I became a partner at a a strategy firm in Silicon Valley, and I was. Um, listening to podcasts in 2016 and started to learn about phenomena of consciousness that suggested that there is a spiritual dimension to our reality, basically. And previously I was more of an atheist agnostic. So this was a massive shift for me to learn about this stuff. And basically I just took such an interest in it and my worldview was, was flipped so much that I ended up actually leaving my firm and have been writing books to try to understand who are we, why are we here? What should we be doing here? Like the really fundamental questions are what interests me. And that's led me into many areas, not just the metaphysical, but also political and sociocultural and all those things, because they all do relate to the world in which we live. And I still feel like I'm just trying to decode it. Yeah, I, I it's weird. Like the more podcasts I do, the more I I come up with like um, more questions, you know, about what yeah. what is the exact nature of our reality. It's very complex because it seems like what's going on is the paranormal is becoming more normal. Like the veil is starting to thin. More people are having experiences, but also you know, like and more people are having contact. More people are having whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, our world couldn't be more chaotic. And that's kind of what we were going to touch on stuff tonight with this whole great reset stuff, which I usually don't dip my toes into like this kind of stuff because it's tough because it, it, it triggers a lot of people. And then also YouTube too. But then I noticed you did shows with Aubrey Marcus about it and that stayed up on YouTube. So I, I figured it would be okay to talk about like, as long as we kind of dance around some of the topics, <laughs> but no, we don't have to dance around the topics. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. words like 
jab instead of, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, I think you probably know, but sorry. <laughs> um, but what, what are your thoughts on all that? I think that topics like the great reset and even political issues and sociocultural issues are like they're unavoidable if you want to understand the nature of reality that's what i've come to realize because i actually never had an interest in that stuff and my first two books were mostly just on the metaphysical and trying to understand like what is the nature of reality itself what's the nature of consciousness and um as i saw the world getting crazier and crazier like you say the paranormal is just becoming normal all the chaos i wanted to understand what is that exactly and it leads into these areas um but Another way that I look at all the chaos that's coming up and in some ways the darkness that's that's arising is that it's like we're, we have an opportunity now to see the truth and to be able to transmute it. Because a lot of the stuff we're learning about now are, are probably things that have existed for a very long time, but they were just hidden. And now much is being revealed and we're starting to see dark and light. I mean, I see it as a spiritual war. So there's an opportunity now to transcend it and move maybe to an even better place collectively. Do you think, do you see it as a great divide between people, the people that will follow the government who want the new, the, the new world order, the great, um, the great reset, and then the spiritual community like us who are a part of the great awakening. I mean, and I kind of wish just, a, just as a side note, I kind of wish there wasn't that divide. I wish we could all get along. That's kind of like my whole thing on this show. Like I'd love to talk about the paranormal, but I'm also like, I just wish like everybody could get along, but there's so many issues that like, that divide people and trigger people so much it's almost unavoidable but i mean it's it's kind of discussions like this that kind of i hope would help people and 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 you know i don't know yeah i don't know either i mean i hope we can help bridge it with this conversation but there are issues that are sometimes hard to bridge where you're dealing with issues of fact where people don't agree on basic assumptions and then because they disagree on those assumptions they have different views on the world and, and things that are happening and that's I haven't figured out a way around that other than just in my own life, I'm trying to get to the truth. And then to the extent that I can share it, I like sharing things with people. Um, but I've also noticed, cause you mentioned that there is this like great awakening, if you want to call it that happening, where there is a, maybe a control system where people want to go along with the narrative and it tends to be more materialistic, not as spiritual. And then there's this other side, which you're trying to tap into with your show and I'm trying to get to with my work. But I noticed that it's not just, um, uh, along spiritual lines because even within the spiritual community you could talk to someone and and, and talk about the nature of consciousness and near-death experiences and maybe even alien abductions and have very similar perspectives on it but then when you get into issues of politics or something that happened in the news you could have completely different opinions on it so i think there in my opinion there's an element of the spiritual community that seems to be going along with the narrative which in my view and this is why i'm writing books on it is very dark even though it's marketed as, well, this is a, a pr the way that our society is going to progress. Progress. It's going to be a better version of society. It's, it's, it's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. And there are people who are very focused on compassion, and many of them are, are spiritual people, and they see the compassionate elements that are being marketed. And maybe they're drawn to that, but they don't see what's beneath the surface. Yeah, and let's let's talk about some of the things that are, are beneath the surface. Like like for example, ESG scores for businesses, which yeah. is almost like a like a social credit score. Uh, people thinking they know what's best for us. BlackRock buying up farmland and housing. Um, that the, the the famous quote, "You own nothing and like it." I mean, is this kind of all stuff that you touch on in your book? Yes, all of it. So the, the Great Reset for those of your audience who are not familiar with it, because I actually didn't know much about it until I like really dug in. This was a formal announcement made by the World Economic Forum in June of 2020. It was actually Klaus Schwab, who's the executive director of the World Economic Forum. And at the time, it was Prince Charles. So very powerful people saying now it's Great Reset. And other people like John Kerry and Al Gore have been talking about the Great Reset. This is, this is a very real thing. Uh, Klaus Schwab wrote a book that summer. Uh, summer of 2020 called COVID-19, The Great Reset. And there was a sequel book written called The Great Narrative. And it lays out this vision that these very powerful people have for society. And it's, to me, multifaceted. It's cultural, it's political, it's economic, environmental, uh, technological, and even metaphysical. So to me, this is like where they see the world headed. And uh, as I look at what's happening in the world, I think we're in The Great Reset. The Great Reset to me is just descriptive of, of our the mainstream direction of society. Like if you turned on the news, 
the great reset is basically in lockstep with that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but they're trying to like, and do you, I mean, do you think that they'll, they'll be able to uh, like, like execute some of these things they're talking about? Like social credit scores would really mess. I mean, they're doing that over in China and like, that's completely horrible. Like they, they have people that are like really like, um, outed from society because of the social credit scoring stuff. And then it seems like the, the population kind of goes along with it. You know what I mean? Like instead of like helping out their brother or sister, they, they just, you know, they, they continue to out the person just as the government does. If I have that right. I would argue that we're already in the beginning of a social credit system in the West. So you could look at the, the truckers in Canada who were protesting COVID measures and, um, People who were involved in that or even people who funded them and donated, they had their bank accounts frozen. So it's this idea that if you say something that we don't like, then we're going to punish you in society. We see this on social media. If you say something that people don't like, you can get shut off YouTube. You can be censored. So there are elements of this where basically you have to behave in a certain way. Otherwise, parts of society are not going to accept you. We've, we've seen uh, certain like PayPal and payment processors not accepting certain businesses because of the things that they say. So I think we're there. Maybe we're not to the same level as more totalitarian places, but the trend is moving in that direction. And it's often posed and positioned as something virtuous. Like, look, we need to progress as society. So we need to be nicer. We need to care more about the environment. And basically anything that they don't like, they just say, well, that's hate speech or something like that. I'm oversimplifying it. But anything that they don't like becomes in this category of, of that which is not virtuous, the opposite of, of compassion. And this is where I, I, I think the, the spiritual community splits, where some people say, look, this is not really compassionate. And others say, no, look, they just they want to get rid of hate. So we should go along with it. And a social credit system. Well, that's just going to help us weed out the people that are not behaving versus those who are behaving. And I personally just don't agree with that perspective. Yeah, I would say that like wokeness is kind of it's kind of like almost like woke being woke versus being awake. If, 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 the, if you want to like shorten the terms, like there's the people that are woke and they're acting a certain way. And I could probably explain it a little bit better, but I think people know what I'm talking about. A lot of the woke behavior versus the people that are awake that like they're kind of in the spiritual community. Is that kind of what you mean? Yeah, I think so. But I think you could have someone who's spiritual and is quote unquote uh, woke or, or buying, a buying in with that because a lot of the stuff that we might call woke, which would be um, social justice activism, environmental activism, there's typically a hint of truth to what they're talking about. And there is a compassionate intention that's at least marketed. And some people go along with it and say, well, look, look how compassionate they're being. But then I think the maybe awakened, for lack of a better term, would say, okay, I see the truth in what they're talking about, but there's something way darker beneath that. And that's what's being used. It's, it's weaponizing the compassion to lead things in a very negative direction. And this has happened many times before in other countries. I often talk about the Cultural Revolution in China, where tens of millions of people were ultimately murdered over very similar things. So th this has happened before. And I think in the West, and especially in America, we're just not, uh, we just don't think it could happen to us. Maybe that's the collective mentality of like, oh yeah, sure, that's happened to other places. But if it were happening here, we would, we would definitely know about it. We would see through what's happening. And I don't, I think in many cases, we're not seeing through it. And um, ultimately, this this dark movement, as I see it, like I said, I think it's a spiritual war. It often relies on inversion. It's inver inverting compassion. It's inverting good and evil. And it's using deception. So that's the, really the key here. And that's why I think the Great Reset and, our, and sociology and politics and everything relate to spirituality, because it's like the intersection of our world and the spiritual war. It's how it's playing out in my mind. Yeah. Well, what, 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 let me ask you this. Like, what are some of the other uh, like um, implements to the, the Great Reset that like people might not know about that you kind of cover in your book? Like, here's one, for example, like I, I had to ask my a friend that uh, she's a girl that I, I chat with a lot. I asked her, like, what what is because I wanted to I, I'm, I'm, I wasn't real familiar with this. You know, like I mean, I was I know I know about a lot about it. I know. But she had told me about BlackRock buying up the farmland and, and the housing like. What, what is that all about? And what are they trying to do with that? Do, if you had to speculate. Yeah, I, I struggle with um, trying to speculate on people's intent because in order to do that, you'd have to be inside their mind. And RFK Jr. did talked about this in his book on, on Fauci. He said, look, I'm going to give you facts, but I can't tell you what their intention is because some people might, ha might have a benevolent intention and they just might be misguided. So they implement something that they think is good, but it's actually totalitarian. So I think that's one possibility. 
But then you have other possibilities, which is, well, this person is evil and knows it, is knowingly evil. Then you have people that might be blackmailed or mind controlled or under the control of a third party. So it's like, I really don't know why someone's always doing it. I don't know what their intent is. But when you look at the pattern overall, it's moving toward less liberty, less ability to grow in your own food, for example, or to just have your own personal autonomy and more toward a society that's controlled by the, the supposed experts who know what's best for everyone. And in, in my new book, An End to, Upside, End to the Upside Down Reset, I tell a story from Dr. Naomi Wolf's new book. It's called The Bodies of Others. And she, she who is a, a Yale graduate herself, she uh, was at a hedge fund manager's party in New York and was speaking with a young Ivy League graduate. And she, this young woman she was speaking with, she said, asked her a question, do you think that the people of Greece should have a say in their economic future? And this young woman said, um, I'm paraphrasing, no, they shouldn't. We should decide for them. We know what's best for them. And that's really the mentality here. In the book, I refer to it as elitism, the belief that you know what's best for someone else, and that actually you have a right or a duty to impose that on others. That's what I think is happening in many of these cases, uh, in many of the examples. Like that's an underlying theme. Yeah, that, and that's that's that's. I I don't think that should be the case. I think there's people that are actually like trying to speak out against that. Like one of the one of the people that I have to give credit to is Joe Rogan. Believe it or not, like mm -hmm. I know you're on the Aubrey Marcus podcast, but I think Joe Rogan, like Alex Jones, like I mean I probably shouldn't say that name because he's banned on YouTube. But I mean like I mean I think they're they're trying to speak out against kind of like the darker agenda as to what's going on because I know like Joe a lot talks about like that we, you know, like we should, we should have our independent sovereignty or, you know, other people talk about this too. People that have talked, come on my podcast are talking about that we should have our independent sovereignty and we should be able to choose what we want, what we think is best for us, not what someone else thinks is best for us. We're not little children. We don't need someone holding our hand. We can make these decisions ourselves and, and try to, you know, I mean, I think that's kind of what life's about, right? It's like learning lessons that like you, if you, if you make a mistake in life, you learn from it and then you move on. Right. And, and, and so why do we need someone telling us what to do? Because they think they know something's better, if that makes any sense. Yeah, completely. I agree with you. And to me, that's a spiritual principle. Like liberty is a, is a topic about spirituality. Ultimately, the notion that we are sovereign beings and part of some interconnected consciousness some might call it god or the quantum field different names for it but that that we are something more than the body and that there's real significance to our existence that means that we need to have um individual autonomy like that's part of what we are as free beings so if you don't have full autonomy if someone is forcing you to do something that you didn't agree to to me that's a spiritual violation and a form of enslavement I mean, they're varying degrees of enslavement. So it, this then gets to a bigger question of, well, we live on a planet in which that's the default, where power structures can impose things on you and they can call themselves virtuous, but it can be something that you did not agree to. And you would say, I don't want to do this. But then they say, well, I made up this law and you have to do it. Mm -hmm. To me, that's like a manifestation of the spiritual war. And it leads me to all sorts of questions that I don't have answers to. Like, how did this planet end up this way, where our default situation is where we are under the control of others um, under what seems to be a dark principle where someone can control you. Do you, do you think, I, I don't know if we, you do talked about this on other podcasts, but do you think that, that, that this directly ties, be, be, this is beyond the, the WEF, beyond the world economic forum. Do you believe this ties into like an even darker, like Illuminati or new world order? Like that someone's like, or do you think they are the, the Illuminati or new world order? I mean, if you had to speculate. Yeah. It's something I have not speculated much on because it's, it's a very complicated web to na to navigate and research, and I just don't feel like I know as much on that as other people do. Like there are people who have traced the history of Klaus Schwab and other people, and even when you trace the history, it's often like you have to make leaps in logic sometimes, where you say, "Well, this person was involved with this person, therefore they had the same ideology." And it's like you don't always know if the links are causal or if it's just correlation. If you know what I mean, you don't always know exactly where people are coming from. But where I do think there is a darker link. If, even if I can't trace the, the societies that are involved, is that I think on a spiritual dimension, there are energies that are malevolent and energies that are benevolent. And that's the universe in which we live. And I think both those energies influence humans in ways that we don't always see. It might be that our consciousness is being influenced. And it might be the case that we are able to tap in to the darker or the light, depending on our, our, our intentions or 
depending on the extent to which we've resolved our own trauma, we're going to tap into those energies. So what I see as this dark, great reset agenda, even though it's marketed as something benevolent, it could be that at the highest level, there are literally dark spiritual forces that are pushing this through our society in ways that we don't understand. It could come through their consciousness. It could be, I, I don't know how it manifests, but to me, that's the ultimate puppet master if I had to infer. Well, is it, and then does it, okay, so does this tie into your book like an end to upside down contact? Like, you know, for the fans that might have just joined, our Mike, Mark has written a, a series of books um, between 2018 and 2023 now. Um, the, the two most recent being an end to upside, they all start with the words an end to upside down. You have the, the most recent or the end of the upside down reset and the end of, uh, uh, sorry, <laughs> the end of upside down contact where he talks about the ET and, contact phenomena than the paranormal. So do you think that ties into that and what people are experiencing from like a abduction level or contact level or uh, even paranormal level? Yes, I generally do. And that was one of the conclusions I made in the book on contact is that there appear to be beings that are malevolent and some benevolent and others that are in between. And then you have beings that are deceptive who masquerade as benevolent, but they're actually not. So there's this wide range of beings that clearly seem to be interacting with humans and have been throughout our history. And that's what I document in that book on contact is, is making that case that there's evidence that other, these beings exist. And so when I was looking at the direction of our society, it really ties into me, ties into that notion of other beings that influence our society. I, I can't separate them, even though I can't make the direct connection. I'll give you one example where there does seem to be a potential direct connection. And this is a, a really dark topic of like ritualistic abuse, where people are abused in the occult with the intention of invoking a dark being. Like that's why it's done. And they think that this dark energy or, or being will give the person power or something that's totally twisted. So that's like one extreme of it, where those people are knowingly trying to invoke a dark being to bring about power. And then you have people who are more benevolent and they might want to channel a being of light or a being that they believe is light because they want to help people or because they're doing it out of a, a state of love. And that's in, on an unconscious level. But, and this is what I get into in my earlier books, our brain and our body seem to tap into stuff even without our knowledge. So when a thought comes in, we don't even know where that thought comes from. Um, there's a book called uh, The Science of Channeling by Helene Wabe from the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which talks about this phenomenon of bringing in information from beyond space and time. And some people do it in a very extreme way where their voice changes and literally they're taken over. It's like they're possessed. And others, it might be more subtle where, you, Rob, you just get an idea, like you have a question to ask. Where did that come from? These energies, I think, are influencing us. That's my hypothesis. So if you believe what I just said, that we're being influenced consciously or unconsciously by these entities, and our society seems to be consciously steered in a certain direction, like it doesn't seem to be random that all that everything is pointing in the same way. And that's the case I make in the reset book. Like it's, it's con a concerted effort. Then that concerted effort is probably at its core coming from those other energies. Yeah. I have a lot to comment on. I'll, I'll try to remember everything I was thinking about. Well, first I wanted to say that like, it seems like when you look at like, like for example, it, it seems like we could be dealing with like angel angelics and demonics, but then yeah. also when you look at the contact phenomena, like the abductions, like if you look at like, John Mack, he got a lot of positive cases, whereas someone like David Jacobs, you know, a longtime abduction researcher, mm -hmm. he got negative cases where and then you look at Barbara Lamb, she got like positive abduction cases and then Bud Hopkins got negative cases. It's strange. It's like, and, and why would they all fall into that? You know, I don't think it's I don't think it's them. I don't think it's the person. I think it's the type of consciousness that's coming into their 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 office and saying i'm having these experiences and and maybe it triggers something where like you know like where they where where they they get the same type of individual i i don't know but i always thought that was strange and then on top of that um what else was i gonna say oh, i just lost my train of thought uh oh man my i just had a total brain slip but do you Oh, do you believe that, that like, that, that there are these entities, oh, uh, what, what is this what I wanted to say, targeted individuals, like, mm -hmm. and people that, like, suffer from, like, schizophrenia and mental illness, like, I could see this being a part of the contact phenomena as well, but I, maybe, I don't know what it is, it's some kind of entity in someone's head, and then someone who gets it too much, 
and they can't handle it is labeled as schizophrenic because they're acting out in public. They think someone's actually talking to them. They think they're getting voices from some somewhere else. And the same thing with a targeted individual. If you look at some of these targeted individual cases, they're very strange, but they're, 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 they're I think they're valid. And a lot of people say, oh, that could be the government, you know, um, and people think that it is the government. Like, you know, they think it's government, like, you know, AI, you know, like right. putting voices into people's head, which I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I have no clue. I, I, but I think it could be entities for sure. You know, why they drive people to the point of madness. I don't know, but I think that's a part of the spiritual war too, because I think a lot of these people that are being targeted or being or schizophrenic could have abilities. They could have psychic abilities. So they're being targeted to dumb down their abilities that they don't even know they're being targeted. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. There's so much there in what you said. I do tend to think this is just a hypothesis that schizophrenia is almost like an uncontrolled form of channeling. Whereas when you do it voluntarily and try to invoke beings, at least, you know, you're doing it and maybe it just gets out of control with someone who's schizophrenic. Um, but your point about whether the influences are just, you know, government technology or actual beings, I think we know that maybe there are some cases where the government is doing it or influencing it, but the beings seem to exist independently of that. Because let's say a near-death experience when the person has little or no brain functioning and yet they are experiencing something that is realer than real. Like when I interviewed Dr. Bruce Grayson from the University of Virginia, he said, Mark, we're left with this paradox that at a time when the brain isn't functioning, the mind is functioning better than ever. So you're at the consciousness, in my view, seems to be released from the brain at that point. So people are experiencing something that their brain is normally blocking out and they get to be in these other dimensions of consciousness. And what happens there? They often talk about encountering entities, beings that they are interacting with. Same thing with psychedelic accounts, whether it's ayahuasca or DMT, people experience entities. So in, in those sorts of cases, I, I find it hard to believe that that would just be a government construct. It seems to be very genuine, right? And, and that on its own, the fact that there could be any genuine contact where we could rule out government or any material means, to me indicates that there is multidimensional contact. And the minute that's opened up, and the fact that we know that multidimensional contact is influencing human consciousness, then to me, there has to be a connection to what's happening in the world. Yeah, so it so it ties into the great 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 reset in a way that it could be influencing the way people act it, it directly, especially these more powerful people. Possibly, it could be influencing their decisions, or it could be influencing someone who is protesting on the street that feels like they have to act a certain way, or on someone on a totally completely different level, on a benevolent level. Is that kind of what you mean? Exactly. Yes. So we could look at this again. This is just my hypothesis and inference. We could look at the state of the world and all the trends that are happening and see it as a mirroring of some kind of metaphysical battle. And the human beings are embodying those energies that exist elsewhere. Now, why would those energies care? That's another question I ask myself. Uh, some people speculate that the dark energies feed off of our negativity. Uh, that that comes through in some of these dark rituals where people, children are abused. And there's one case I mentioned in my contact book. It's very horrific. But as this child was being abused, he felt that the adult was actually taking energy and the being was was possessing that adult and taking the energy from the child. So, I mean, if that's true to any degree, then you could imagine on, on a deeper level, if the whole world is put into a state of fear or some kind of negativity, maybe that would feed the dark forces. Whereas when you see the, the forces that seem to be benevolent, they're often surrounded by what people describe as unconditional love. So if we move in that direction, that might be feeding the, the positive energies and might actually be counteracting the negativity. But something that I've been saying often, and I've alluded to this before, is that like ju just focusing on the unconditional love and the compassion is not sufficient because then you could get fooled by, by false light, effectively. Something that you think is light and benevolent Look, the Great Reset sounds really nice. They, they, they even say they want a more caring and compassionate society. And ESG, environmental, social, and governance, that's because we need to do better in those things. Who would want to disagree with that? But if you just focus on what sounds good, it doesn't seem to be enough. So the term that I often use is compassion with discernment. It's like you've got to have both in the spiritual war. And that's at least my, my tentative hypothesis. That's that's fascinating. So well, let me ask you this, Mark. Where do you see this all going? Like, what like, is in terms of the spiritual war, in terms of the Great Reset? I mean, if you had to speculate, do you think that the spirit, the people who are on the spiritual awakening, are going to 
kind of win or do you think that we're kind of doomed or do you have a do you have a conclusion or are you just in high hopes that things get better or what do you think the way i think about that question which i ask myself all the time is the the only thing that i can really control is my own journey so i try to focus on myself as much as i can to like try to get to the truth in my own paradigms and work through whatever darknesses within myself to really like purify myself in as many ways as I can, and then contribute to society however I can. So that's kind of not even answering your question. Now, if I were to answer your question to actually speculate on where it's going to go, I am discouraged by a segment of the population where I don't think a paradigm shift is possible <laughs> because it's, it's almost like no matter how much evidence you show certain people, they, they don't want to have a paradigm shift. And I have, I've stopped really trying with, with that sort of audience. Like I put books out there and people can take it if they want, but I don't want to, I don't like forcing on people because some people just aren't going to accept it. And that's a microcosm of what I see happening on a bigger scale where you need to have some psychological flexibility in order to have a paradigm shift. And I know from my own experience, having had, having had multiple paradigm shifts. So for me, it started with a spiritual awakening and then it was more of an awakening of, wow, we live in a world that is fundamentally corrupt and there's something very dark embedded with systemically in our society and that fits into the metaphysics that was a separate paradigm shift and each of the, each time that happens it's like wow i have to rethink all of my assumptions and it's super uncomfortable and disorienting and i understand why people wouldn't want to go through that and i've talked to people i often tell the story of one of my friends who i was telling him about evidence of uh psi phenomena like psychic abilities scientific evidence in the lab with statistical evidence for it peer-reviewed papers and all that stuff and he goes, Mark, you're probably right, but I don't want to go there because my life's pretty good and I don't want to rock the boat. So like, keep doing your thing, but I'm just not going to go with you on that. And, and that's another microcosm of where some people are just going to keep going with the system because they don't want to rock the boat. So that's on the negative side, Rob. On the positive side is I do think people are waking up, myself included. I mean, if you had talked to me in 2016, like I didn't know about most of this stuff. It was only late 2016 when I first became exposed. I knew about none of this. And I'm not the only person that's had some kind of an awakening or at least is on this journey. More and more people are doing that. And what I wonder is if we're going to have a society that is in some way parallelized, like where some people go along with the system and others are not going to go along with the system. And they're just going to be separate because they're living in separate paradigms. So for those who go along with the system, I don't see it as being a good thing. I, I just wonder what is at stake spiritually? Like, is there a way to damage the soul or is there a way for the soul to be um, it, the soul's progress to be inhibited. That's what I worry about. And then I think for the people who, who reject the system, there's probably still will be some negative negativity because we're not perfect, but maybe that will be a, a path that allows more soul growth. Someone, someone in the comments wrote about, wrote, uh, what about CERN, which is a good, uh, that's a good point. Like that, you know, do you think like that somewhere like the like timelines are being affected? Do you think yeah. that like that somehow like, you know, or or do you think this? Do you think that everybody can be on their own individual timeline? I often think about that, like because I think we do have these powers of psi. Like I, that's part of my channel name. You know, I I, uh, I I have psychics on my show every week. Like I'm a big believer in psychic phenomena. I, I really am. I think it's one of the most provable forms of the. I think all the paranormal is provable. So I don't want to say that, but like I really believe in psi. So when I think about like our the our our abilities, I feel like maybe we do have the ability to kind of individually change our timeline not even have to have to have a group go on a time I don't, I don't know I, or or maybe it could be a timeline for the collective but like what do you think about all that like CERN and and possible timelines being manipulated and um and are, are we on our own timeline what, what do you you know yeah. with with regard to CERN I've heard a lot of speculation and I just don't know enough about it I mean, it is interesting and the way they had their opening ceremony it was clearly a, some kind of strange ritual that was an eye-opener if your audience hasn't watched that, I think it's still on YouTube. Um, so I, I don't know what to make of it. I mean, if you had asked me about CERN eight years ago or something, I would have said, wow, it's really interesting that they are trying to get to the basics of like particle physics and like they're just trying to figure stuff out. And then the darker perspective is, well, they're opening portals or they're changing things by doing that. I don't really know. Um, to your question about like individual timelines versus collective timelines, they're both possible, I guess. Um, I, uh, it seems like when an individual has a, has a consciousness shift then that person's life changes. I just know that from my own life, when I have a paradigm yeah. shift and new doors open up. So if you multiply that by the collective, you'd, you'd have to think there might be something to that. And that's why 
when I think about like, how can I contribute in this area as I'm having my own paradigm shifts, I think sharing information and why what you're doing is so important, Rob, as well, is when, pe when people learn things and if they're open-minded enough, it can be a total shift in their consciousness. And then if you add up those consciousness shifts, who knows what that adds up to um, in terms of like the way our world can shift. And often people speculate that it's non-linear, meaning that it's not just the sum of the collective consciousness shifts. It actually might be exponential on some quantum level or something that we don't see. So um, I think I always say this, that a shift in consciousness is going to be where this starts. And the more people that can make those shifts, the better. Well, I think that the, the paranormal kind of has something to do with that because I think the the more I think the veil is thinning. And when I say that, I don't even know exactly what, but when I when I say that, I mean people for some reason are having more and more paranormal experiences. I don't know if energy is literally being sent to our planet from some external force, but it's something's waking people up, right? And it's making people have more if it's the littlest thing like i i get emails from people every day like sometimes i get people emailing me about they're saying hey i just wanted to tell you i had an alien abduction experience and i can't tell people i work with i can't tell my girlfriend i can't tell my wife i can't tell my mom i can't tell my kids because they'll think i'm crazy you know or i'll get someone saying hey you know i had an orb in my room last night and i don't know what it was what do you think that was or i'll get someone saying i have spirits in my house who can i contact but the the main thing is what i'm finding out is this is like the first time they've had this you know what i mean so it's a lot of people that are having like first time paranormal experiences and i can't put together what that is all i can say is it seems like the veil is thinning because more and more people are starting to come um come like um come accustomed to this stuff right and and with that said i wonder if that's part of the spiritual warfare on some level or or the the, the plan of some external force to shift our consciousness in a certain way i don't know i'm just kind of speculating what do you what do yeah. you think yeah that's a really important point and i agree with you at least in terms of what i'm speculating that the dark forces whatever they are would have an incentive to slow down this awakening that seems to be happening there's a podcast I often reference. It's called Buddha at the Gas Pump, where the host Rick Archer has hundreds of people who have had spiritual awakenings. And the reason he started the show was that he would tell people about these crazy experiences that ordinary people were having. And they were like, well, that's just a one-off case. And he's like, no, there's so many of them. So he started Buddha at the Gas Pump. And you just see awakening after awakening and their common threads and the paranormal starts happening to them. And they start having synchronicities. There's something that's going on and it seems to be accelerating. Because you can look throughout history and there are individual cases of this or religious or spiritual figures that have talked about having those kinds of awakenings. And now it seems to be uh, almost like everywhere. And if you were a dark force, wouldn't you want to suppress that sort of thing? And I think one way it's done is through the suppression of information. And that's why I focus on this in this reset book on the way the media is controlling the narrative and it's dominated by one perspective. If you look at certain uh there's lots of data on this, that it is dominated in a certain direction. And the tech companies are, are dominated in a certain direction, for example. So there's an information battle over what people believe to be true. And that's part of it. And then I also wonder, I don't know quite as much about this, the extent to which our biology is being influenced. So not just the information, but our physical biology through the food we eat, the air we breathe in, things that are coming into our body. You could list many things that might dampen our, our spiritual connection. So I talk about transhumanism in this book on the Great Reset because it seems to be part of the, their technological vision. Klaus Schwab has called it the fourth industrial revolution. So this is all laid out there. And it's it's like rethinking what a human is. And we're hearing um, the term transhumanism come up all over the place, putting chips in people's bodies, putting chips in people's brains. And of course, it's marketed as just, well, this is going to enhance the human. But I wonder, could it change our connection spiritually by dampening it? The same thing goes with genetic modification. Is there something in our genetic code that has our, our spiritual connection, or at least as a possibility? And if you start altering that, does that dampen us down? Like I try to put myself in the mindset of evil and say, if I really wanted to, to control this place, what would I do? And these are the sorts of answers I come up with. 
But what I think is like, I think that we're already, and it, it, I think we're already an enhanced version of, and, and some of us might not even know it yet. Like, and you know this from working at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, because you study psi, right? So like, you know that like, we can do amazing things with our consciousness. We can remote you, we can do telekinesis, we can do ESP, we can talk to each other, you know, through telepathy. And I really think that, you know, even on the, on the smallest of levels, like when you go to the grocery store and you see a hot girl you know like and she sees you and you guys communicate like that's happening telepathically on this on the on the smallest level but then you can take it up the level where like say now you meet that girl and you guys start playing psychic games over the phone where you try to guess what she's thinking and she tries to guess what you're thinking i've done this many times and you start to find out that the human being just from that you can just by the littlest things you can find out that we're more enhanced than what they tell us right and then you find out the things like you're studying about like near-death experiences out-of-body experiences the, the noetic sciences the remote viewing psi telekinesis i mean like so i wouldn't think that we would need i'm, I'm in agreement with you i don't think we need to put chips in our brain i think we need to learn how to activate ourselves and and be our more enhanced version of ourselves that we already have that we're not um accessing if that makes yeah, sense totally the the abilities seem to be innate and this is what shows up in the studies so for example the classic study done on telepathy known as the gonsvald experiment where two people are separated one person is shown an image by the experimenters and the experimenters ask that person to mentally send it to the other person even though that other person doesn't know what the, the other one's looking at and then after a while they asked that person who wasn't looking at the image, which one was your partner looking at in the experiment? So these aren't even people who know each other. And if it were just chance, when 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 four pictures are shown, that person should guess correctly 25% of the time. But it turns out to be the case that that person guesses correctly 32% of the time, which statistically is a very significant result. Even though it's, it's a 7% differential off of chance, not 100%, there's subtle abilities. And these are just sometimes college sophomores, people don't have a, a who, who they, don't, they don't claim to be psychic or anything. And, and so these studies show that it's innate within all of us. And you're actually reminding me of um, an interview I heard on the Skeptico podcast. It was with Dr. Mario Beauregard, who is a neuroscientist who studies spiritual phenomena. He said that he was at an institute in Canada, a very prominent place where the head of the institution said, as long as I am in charge here, you will never study spiritual phenomena. And his conclusion was, this is clearly social engineering, and it's dark versus light. So it's like there, there seems to be a suppression of the knowledge that we have these abilities. And you could speculate that's because if we knew about it, then that would be very empowering to every individual, no matter how much money you have or no matter what your status is, that there's something innate that you're connected to. So there would be an incentive for the dark forces to want to suppress that and keep it quiet and make, make fun of it to say, oh, well, that's just pseudoscience. Yeah, because think about it this way: like if you if you believe that you can affect your life, and you believe that your thoughts create your reality, then you would start to believe in the law of attraction. You can believe that you can manifest things, and once you start manifesting things in your life, you don't need the government as much, which comes into the Great Reset perspective, right? Exactly. And what does the Great Reset talk about politically? They talk about the return of big government. That's really what this is. It's an authoritarian movement in many ways where these people want to have control but they'd say it's a benevolent thing but from a spiritual perspective having control having a third party control you doesn't make sense you'd want to have your individual sovereignty and liberty to express whatever is inside of you and whatever your consciousness is wanting to express without someone controlling you yeah but um, this has been that we packed a lot of information into 40 minutes. I think we hit on a lot of stuff. But like what I wanted to ask you was, did you want to talk about a little bit like you, like a little bit of the studies you've been doing at the noetic sciences? Like, sure. like what what do you you've been getting into near death experiences? Psy, like what's going on with all that? Because I'm I'm a big fan of both of those fields. And um, just I was seeing like what kind of conclusions you were coming up with or like what you guys like came up with. That's that's really interesting to me. Okay. Well, let me first preface it by my like my journey of how I got into that. So like I said, in 2016, I had an awakening of sorts, an intellectual awakening when I realized that there was science that suggested that there's psi, near-death experiences. Consciousness is beyond the body, basically. And when you die, consciousness continues. That's sort of evidence. And the, the research that was done at the Institute of Noetic Sciences was one of the, the things that really helped to sway me because they were doing research that was in peer-reviewed papers and 
from my, I, I worked in Silicon Valley. I had this very traditional mindset. I wanted to see that kind of evidence. I then joined the board of directors a few years later. And this was after I had written a book on the, on this very topic and then did my podcast series, which is called Where Is My Mind? It's still available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I interviewed people like Dr. Dean Radin, who's the chief scientist. I interviewed Helene Wabe, who's the director of research, and she studies, studies channeling. So that's how I got into this, is that I was asked to join the board. And I said, that's, that's very much aligned with my thinking because I want to, to promote our understanding of these sorts of phenomena. So that's how I got here. Um, at, at Noetic Sciences, it's the abbreviation is IONS, I-O-N-S. Um, over the last 50 years, which is the period during which it's been open, the, many different things have been studied. And uh, things like lucid dreaming, telepathy, looking at quantum physics from the perspective of consciousness, energy healing. There was a pilot study recently done. Um, so many topics like that, not quite as much, some on mediumship studies on channeling, not as much on near-death experiences or children with past life memories, even though that's related. The University of Virginia has a division of perceptual studies that's been around since the 1960s. And at a mainstream organization like UVA, you typically can't study that stuff. But because Dr. Ian Stevenson was so prominent back in the 60s, he formed this, this group and it still exists today. They study more of the afterlife stuff, even though it's related to ions. And I don't think I don't think ions would reject that sort of thing, but historically it's been more of the psi type phenomena. Um, but all of it to me just leads me to the conclusion or to the inference that we are psychic, that energy healing is real, that consciousness is not limited to the brain. It's not limited to space and time. So somehow you can tap into information that's beyond space and time, which is crazy, uh, that when our body dies, consciousness does not die. I do think reincarnation is real, even though that's a complex topic. Like, what's the purpose of reincarnation? There are lots of theories on that. I do think there's a between lives segment. So a lot of the children with past life memories that they've studied at UVA, over 2,500 of these cases, many of them talk about what's known as an intermission period. They have memories between lives. This comes up in hypnosis as well. But I mean, that's just like an earth shattering concept. The, the idea here, which is another one of my inferences, is that we have amnesia. So there are parts of our existence that we knew about at one point, but our consciousness is blocked from those memories. And maybe you can unlock the memories and sometimes children do or spiritual people, spiritual masters do. Sometimes people have spontaneous memories. But the point is that there's really valuable information that we are not ordinarily accessing. So that's like generally how I'm looking at things. Yeah. You know what? The, the thing you said about, I just want to touch on the thing you said about like the in-between life, because I find this, you don't know how fascinating I find this. This is yeah. by far one of the most fascinating things to me because I've, I've heard about it from, I first heard about it from Richard Martini, who I've had on my show. He, um, he wrote books like, like on the afterlife, he calls them, they're all like something to the flip side. Like it once called the afterlife guide to the flip side. And he calls the afterlife the flip side. Well, he studied with Michael Newton. If you remember who Michael Newton was, yeah. Michael Newton was the first one to do put patients in hypnosis and, you know, regress them. And they would, re, he found out that patients were regressing back to not just a past life, but an in-between life. And it seems like people go to these classrooms. It's very bizarre. Like it, it, it seems like there's this whole other reality for when we pass away. And, and then in this reality, all your, you have access to all your Akashic records or whatever you want, you knew that you, you have amnesia over here, but you learn stuff. Like people talk about being in classrooms and, you know, um, people talk about like learning things. It's, it's, and, and, and going over goals for when they eventually decide to reincarnate back here again. Is that yeah. kind of like what you, the research you've gotten as well, or, or, or I just want to see if that's the same. Yeah, it is. And that was one of the first books that I read when I started researching in 2016 was Robert Schwartz's book, Your Soul's Plan, which goes through that exact idea, the idea that you planned your life's challenges before you were born. And that to me was so mind blowing, even though I wasn't sure if it was true or not. And still, I don't know for sure. Just that possibility is that's a game changer. So I've, I've looked into all this stuff, Rob. I've written about it in, in a bunch of my books where I talk about the research, but I'm not I don't have a firm conclusion on what all of it means. Like, so in the contact book that I wrote, there are a few phenomena that really make me question everything. One is uh, screen memories, which happen with alien contact. And like Mike Clellan's written a lot about owls where people see an owl and then they go on to, then there's missing time. 
like a few hours pass and they don't know what happened. Then they go under hypnosis and the hypnotherapist says, I want you to go up to that owl. And the person says, wait, this is not an owl. It was a gray alien. So the idea is that these beings can implant memories that are not true. So to me, that just changes everything because all these other phenomena are dependent upon memories that people are having. And you're like, how do you know? So that's problem number one. The other problem is shape-shifting, which even John Mack, Harvard psychiatrist, Pulitzer Prize winner who was studying alien abductions and studied it in a very meticulous manner. He said that the alien beings appear to be consummate shapeshifters, meaning they can appear to us physically as something other than they, the way they are. And I told a few stories in my contact book of women who were in sexual encounters. One woman, she, she said that, that it was a man. <laughs> Okay. I have to laugh. It's it's real though. I know. It, I trust me. I've heard it on the Art Bell show okay. back in the day. There was a woman named Pamela Stonebrook who said she was having uh, sexual encounters with a reptilian. You know. So this and and I wanted to give a shout out real quick to my friend Maya who's in the chat. She does. Since we're talking about hypnosis, I'll, she gave me a she just gave me a four ninety nine super sticker. Everybody go see Maya for your hypnosis. She she's SOSQHT. She does BQH, which is Beyond Quantum Hypnosis, and she does Aura hypnosis so she does a very advanced form of hypnosis she's regressed me and she did an amazing job she's just a, she's an amazing person too she's an amazing friend so check guys check out her stuff she's on youtube and she's SOSQHC. but sorry mark but sorry you're, you're saying we were talking about women who've had encounters with sexual or and sexual encounters with reptilians or aliens which i find hilarious but but it's, yeah. it's true though. i mean well, we can't say it's true but you know what i mean right it kept coming up in the research i was doing for the contact book because i wanted to understand what is what's the relationship between these non-human intelligences and humans and it, it became sexual so often um th there's one story i tell well actually these two women they had different encounters but they described something similar where it was almost as if the being who was manifesting as a human knew what she would find attractive and manifested that way. And then it would kind of lose its cover and then would appear to be something that was non-human. So anyway, whether those cases are true or not, the beings seem to have an ability to shapeshift. And this is talked about in ancient traditions all over the world. Like in the Hindu tradition, the Nagas, these beings that could shapeshift from snake or serpent beings to humans. Okay, so if you take those two things, screen memories and shapeshifting, it means you can't trust your memory and you can't trust what you see. So it makes me extremely confused with all this stuff because then you, how do we know exactly what's coming through with these accounts and whether the people who are giving us information that is faithful to the truth, even though they might be, tr they might be trying to tell the truth, they might not be getting it right because their perceptions are altered. Yeah. Here, try, try this one on for size. Is, is spiritual transformation of an alien abduction just Stockholm syndrome? Right. I mean, think about that. I, and, you know, when, when an abductee says, you know, I've, right. I've had contact, but now I love my contact and, you know, but they're taking semen from me and eggs from my wife. Why? You know what I mean? Why do they need your DNA? You know, it, I mean, I'm not being I'm not I'm not being rude to contactees at all. I love contactees. I have them on my show, but I just I'm a little bit suspicious of this alien contact because why do they always need our DNA? Why are they shape-shifting? Why are they cloaking themselves? It's a little bit suspect, if I, if I have to say, right? It's just a little bit sus. I don't know. I, what what yeah. would you say? I mean, it, it is. It makes me skeptical. Yeah, and I, I do think there is a spectrum of types of beings. So it could be that some beings are more malevolent and others are not. Yeah. So it's like you don't know who's who. And like Mary Rodwell, for example, who studied a lot of these phenomena, and she has a book called The New Human, I believe, where she talks about many children who, who say they're coming from other, other realms to like help humanity elevate. Her view, and I think others believe this too, is that uh, sometimes these contact experiences are planned before birth, in which case it would not be a violation because you, you consented to it. And like, I don't know if that's true, but it's a bit of a different story if it's if the person did consent on some level. Yeah, and I just wanted to clarify. I, I didn't mean all contactees. I meant like the ones who are going through the alien abduction. Like, for, for example, I have a friend, Elena Danan, who does like um, positive. She's contacted by Pleiadians. So like, you know, I would say she's having like real positive contact and stuff like that. But like, I'm talking about the people who are having like encounters with greys where it's 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 real dicey. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it doesn't something doesn't seem right about it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, when I read about those, those abductions where yes, sperm and eggs are taken and John Mack talks about this, the mother is you reunited with the child on the craft. Like it's a hybrid child, like very strange things where it does not seem to be consensual. It just seems to be pretty terrifying. 
And what John Mack concluded was that it, it, it really depended on how the abductee um, integrated the experiences. And if they integrated them, then they would have a spiritual awakening often, which, which resembled the spiritual awakening from a near-death experience. And Dr. Kenneth Ring, who's a near-death experience researcher, actually did a comparison of NDE uh, awakenings versus UFO encounter contact awakenings. And there are a lot of similarities. And in, in those cases, is it Stockholm syndrome or is it that the human being really can't conceptualize all this stuff? It's too complex. And what seems to be very fearful and horrific to them is actually elevating their soul on some level that they can't see. And like that, John Mack kind of alludes to it that people have very ben uh, beneficial awakenings in some cases. But he did say that if they couldn't integrate it, then it would be very harmful to them. Yeah, and Posner makes a good point. He says maybe they're doing it to clone our race to, um, and thank you for the donation, Posner. He says to keep humans alive so they clone us. So in case we like kind of, I think what he's alluding to is if we like blow ourselves up. So there's like a race of hybrids to like, to, to, that would survive. But I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't think we have that much of a problem. I think that's the government's problem. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to buy into that anymore. Like when they were trying to scare us with nuclear war, like a while back, like I was not buying into that. I was like, this is old shit. You know, like I was like, I don't want any more to do with your war plans. Like you already had us like how many years in Iraq and Afghanistan, you know what I mean? And how many people's families died from that stuff? You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I, I, I would hope that people would be elevated consciousness enough to not buy into the war machine. You know, and I, I don't care if it gets, it's, it's something that's going to get me like, you know, like I'm, I'm totally against the war machine because I had a dad who was in Vietnam and I had a grandfather who was in World War II and I saw them suffer from like, you know, you know what I mean? Like yeah. they were, cause they were actually, and they weren't like on the sideline, they were like in the war. So they, they, they had like the PTSD, you know what I mean? And I hear stories from soldiers who went over there. So I have total respect for our soldiers, but like, and I know we were just talking about alien, alien contact, but it, it does tie in because if the aliens are that scared that they're, they're, they're creating a race of clones in case we blow us our, ourselves up, what does that say about humanity? Yeah. Well, first I want to say, uh, John Mack said that it might be an evolutionary insurance program, which is along the lines of what you're describing that they want to keep the species alive. So they're creating hybrids to like, enable the genetics. So that's, that has been speculated before, but I also, your discussion of war reminded me of Robert Hastings's work, UFOs and nukes, the book he wrote. And there's also a, a documentary series where he interviewed over 150 people who were at nuclear weapons facilities. And there, there seemed to be an alien craft or some craft that was turning the nuclear facility, the nuclear weapons on or off. And it was outside of the control of the operator. That was and Malmstrom. Maelstrom was one of many. I mean, Robert Hastings' book, I wish I could pull it up for you. I mean, it is really thick. And it was, he goes into detail in all these cases. So there I mean, was there, more than one? It, was, it happened multiple times? Multiple times where the, the nuclear machinery was turned on or off. I mean, some were more dramatic than others. But, like, things were happening and people were terrified, as you could imagine. So, yeah, it suggests that the beings have some potentially control over it and might even be able to stop nuclear warfare. So that makes me think, do you think it's the government that's trying to make contact look bad so that we don't, you know, like like what the aliens have to say or, or might want, want the alien contacts because like maybe because they want to control us to a certain degree or they want us to buy into that war? Well, meanwhile, maybe all along the aliens are trying to shut off the nukes because they maybe know it's best for us. I, I don't know. I'm just speculating, but it, it might make some, I don't know. You know, yeah. it's so complicated, you know, it's so complicated because it might just be that some of the aliens actually are that bad. And then the government can weaponize that to make it seem like they're all bad. And I want to go back to the point about nukes. Um, th there was a story told by um, Teller, who's the father of the atomic bomb that, um, so I'm trying to remember where this came from. This came from the author of The Day After Roswell. Um, Philip and, Corso. Yeah, Philip Corso. So Philip Corso's son was telling the story about his father who knew Teller. And what appar apparently Teller told Philip Corso, and this is through his son telling the story recently, that um, the nuclear explosion in World War II like set something off with the alien beings around us because it's, it, it affected things on an interdimensional level. So out of self-preservation 
they wanted to stop further nuclear activity because it actually affected them. So it wasn't that they just like wanted to help humanity evolve. It's that they cared about themselves. And by the humans setting off nuclear weapons, it affected these alien beings. So they wanted to say no more of it. That makes sense, right? I mean, so it's more of like a selfish act, but I still wonder what the hybridization is all about, right? And I don't think anybody knows. I, I don't think anybody can put a finger as to what's really going on with that. Or, you know, like, and, and, and what's weird is, I don't know if you've noticed this, Mark, but it seems like people aren't, ha I mean, okay, I feel like people are having a lot of paranormal experiences and people are having contact cases, but that gray abduction stuff doesn't seem to be happening as much anymore. I mean, I do get contacted by people, but it seems like it's died down a lot as compared to the way it was in like the 80s, 90s, 2000s. Do, do you see the same or is it, do you think, do you think it's still going on? I've heard people say that. I don't know the data on like the number of cases, um, but yeah. I have heard it. And it would align with what people theorize, which is that the government has some kind of agreement with different races. So the government might be involved in these abductions in some way. And maybe the agreement is up or maybe they got what they needed. I don't know. And then I, I think back to like when I wrote my contact book, I looked at historical cases, ancient mythology even. And when you read it, with this lens, it doesn't sound like mythology. It sounds like they were doing breeding, maybe. So it might be that these this hybridization or the the manipulation of genetics is not something that's new. It's been going on for a long time. And maybe there are a variety of incentives for that that we just can't even comprehend. Like it might not be that there's one motivation. There might be multiple motivations depending on the species. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Wow. This is, well, this has been fascinating. Um, is there anything you wanted to cover kind of before we finish up for tonight? Or it, I'll give you the floor and uh, and thank you so much. This is amazing. But we can we don't have to quit. I mean, if you if you have other stuff you want to talk about, that's fine. Yeah, I, I have time so I can go as long as you want, Rob. But I'll just pose a question rather than a statement because it's something I'm really trying to figure out. And it's it really has an effect on my own life, like what my trajectory is. And I think for any person, which is like, what is at stake in the spiritual war for an individual soul and for each of our souls on the planet and elsewhere? What's at stake if the Great Reset takes over the transhumanist authoritarian agenda and we don't have the same freedom and our consciousness is altered by our genetics or is altered by chips put in our brains or we're we're spending time in the metaverse where our consciousness is being steered in a certain direction almost like a virtual reality what's at stake what what is the negative potential for our soul if that happens versus what's the positive potential for the souls if we're able to liberate ourselves and and liberate the planet effectively from the control systems yeah. And, and one thing I wanted to say before before we finish up is what ties into that is the Patriot Act. Like back when yeah. they passed the Patriot Act after 9-11, that took away a lot of our freedoms. And, and, and again, this aligns perfectly with what you're saying, because what did they say? They said they were doing it to protect us. They needed to serve. So somehow they needed to surveil us to do surveillance on us because they wanted to protect us. I don't know about that, man. You know what I mean? I, I find that really sus as well. Like I, I, I it's like, why do you have to have, I mean, like if you couldn't stop these people from like flying planes in the buildings, you know, like what, what's going to change now? You know, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm puzzled by that. I what agree. Think? I think it's, it, it tends to be an excuse for more power. So any, any emergency or the perception of an emergency, the perception of a threat can be weaponized to then take more power. And in my Liberty book, I really get into this of how governments do this historically and how it is inherently a spiritual threat when these sorts of things get imposed, because it's like a, a frog slowly boiling in a pot of water where it's like, oh yeah, well, we were terrified of, from 9-11. So the Patriot Act makes sense, but now we still have the Patriot Act. And how could that be weaponized to go against anyone that you would arbitrarily define as a quote unquote, like domestic terrorist? Like these definitions are very broad and they can be weaponized by the power structures. Yes. I think that's a great point. That's a great point. That's exactly what I was trying to hit on. That's, that's amazing. That's, yeah. Well, um, well, thank you, Mark. And can you tell everybody where they can find the books and where they can find you? And uh, this was a power pack podcast, PPP power pack podcast. <laughs> this was great. This was amazing. Well, first, Rob, I want to thank you for having me on and for covering so many topics that I can't talk about on other shows. Often you went really deep. So thank you for that. And thanks for all you're doing with your podcast in general. Um, Thanks. The way to, yeah, you're welcome. Um, the way to find me is my own, is my name, markgober.com, M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R.com. I have five books out. The first one, An End to Upside Down Thinking, is about the evidence that the brain 
does not produce consciousness and it goes into psi phenomena, near-death experiences, all that stuff. So I compiled a lot of evidence in that book. Second one's called An End to Upside Down Living and that's on the spiritual awakening journey, including partially my own, but I studied lots of awakening journeys and spiritual teachers. So it's more like philosophical, but it's, uh, uh, I mean, I, I found find that stuff to be really helpful in my own journey because I'm constantly referring back to like those principles. My third book is An End to Upside Down Liberty. I make the case that government inherently violates spiritual principles. So it's in political and economic theory, and then it also gets into spiritual philosophy, the overlap between those things. Fourth book, An End to Upside Down Contact. It's about the evidence for UFOs, aliens, and spirits, and the fact that they are, uh, some are good, some are bad, and it's a very ancient phenomenon. I, I try to compile the evidence for that. And the most recent book is An End to the Upside Down Reset. It's about what the Great Reset is, what the ideology is and why it's potentially dangerous and, and why I think we need to wake up to it. All five of the books are available in hard copy, Kindle and audible, depending on what you like. And my podcast series is called where is my mind that's on available on all the major platforms. And it goes into psi phenomena, near death experiences. And in that podcast, you get to hear from the experts themselves because I interviewed them and um, took snippets of my interviews and, and interwe interwove it with a narrative. That's fascinating. That's awesome. Like, um, well, th again, thank you. This was amazing. And, uh, yeah, uh, I'll send you, or I, I'll, yeah, I'll send you a link and, um, and, and yeah, I think you already have the link. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Sorry. Cool. But, uh, thanks Mark. This was amazing. And thank you for everyone for tuning in tonight. All my